Hey, 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 it's Todd Fox here. Hey, 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 everybody, it's Todd Fox. (laughs) (laughs) It's Halos in the infield, and we're obviously rusty. (laughs) Stepping on toes. I just wanted to trip you up. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to trip you up and say I was Todd Fox. (laughs) Well, I'm the Lone Star Halo here in Anaheim. Uh, This is Todd Fox (laughs) along with the other hosts of the show. Fernando, everybody, coming to you from New Jersey today. Ooh, New Jersey. Beautiful New Jersey. And we have our friend, as always, from Catella Chronicles. What's up, everybody? Dominic Lorenz in the house. Yes, sir. He's got the golden voice. In the hizzle. (laughs) Yes. I'm keeping it nice for the holiday season. There you go. (laughs) Oh, there you go. So he can can sing some Christmas carols with some eggnog near the fireplace. Mm. And enjoy an angel acquisition here and there. Oh, wait. They haven't done that in a while. Hey, they got they gave you a minor league signing not too long ago. What Justin Garza, Cal State Fullerton product. Welcome to the Angels. There you go. <laughs> hey, Perry likes the local guys who went to Fullerton. Hey, I'll take it. Nothing wrong with a good Titan here and there. Still there you go. good and relevant. So true. I'll give you that <laughs> exactly. one. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are we going to talk about today, fellas? So we're going to talk today about Andrelton Simmons and why I believe he is a top three shortstop in the Angels franchise history. And he was only an Angel for, what, five years, I believe? Yes. Five seasons. You know, some people are going to agree with me, and some are not. But, yeah, I think he was a great Angel, and we'll get to that momentarily. Uh, So first, uh, maybe before we get into our opinions, just before I try to change anyone's mind, right off the bat, Todd, is Andrelton Simmons a top three shortstop in Angels history? Hmm. That's very. Don't explain. Just give me an answer. We'll oh, get okay. it to you later. No. Okay, Dominic. Top three. Top three. I'm gonna I'm gonna go contrarian and say yes, but it's tied for third. Okay. All right. Cool. So we'll we'll, we'll get to it. We will get to it. So we have the answers now. Obviously, I I, I think that he is. Uh, I don't think he's the best, but you know, top three. Okay. So let's first talk about the trade. All right, so the Angels received Andrelton Simmons and Jose Brasenio, if you guys remember him. Ah, the good old minor league veteran catcher. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And I think now he's with the Rockies. I don't know if he still is, but he went to the Rockies. I think he lingered there for a little while. Um, and in exchange for Brasenio and for Simmons, obviously Brasenio was the cream of the crop of the trade. We kind of just got Simmons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um we gave up Shaw Newcomb. That was, you know, the heavy punch, supposedly. Uh, Chris Ellis and Eric Ibar. So Eric Ibar is obviously somebody who's in the discussion for top three Angel shortstop as well. There's a lot of people who would throw his name, you know, in the hat there. So the biggest thing, let's talk about Shaw Newcomb because he was a, an Angel's top prospect at the time. I believe was he our top prospect back yeah, in was he, 2016? He, he was number one for a good chunk of the time. Yeah. I, I I saw a numerous uh, number of his starts when he was at the minor league level, especially at Inland Empire with the 66ers. He was nasty, man. His changeup was filth. Fastball had good velocity on it. He had a little curve piece every once in a while that he would throw in, but he was really that changeup type pitcher. In a sense, and he was dirty. He was a great draft pick, and he, 
at the time back then, I would say you probably put them up with what we have now of like Sandoval and Detmers, how there was a lot of hype around them coming up through the system. That's kind of where Sean Newcomb was at that time, even though when he went to Atlanta with that trade, he was a little bit of a bullpen piece. And then in the lineup and kind of, they rotated him back and forth. He was dirty. When I saw him in the minors, dirty, dirty changeup. So let me read you guys what they wrote about him in uh, 2015 here. So he was 21 years old. He was graded as a B-level prospect. Uh, age 21, first-round pick from the University of Hartford. Last spring, a 6.14 ERA with 18-6K uh, per walks in 15 innings in his pro debut. Big lefty with big stuff, fastball up to 96, slider changeup curve, cold weather arm with relatively low mileage, should be a workhorse with additional command polish. He was number two in the division behind a man who's Andrew Heaney. Todd's boy. Yeah, yeah my favorite. The Hindo. <laughs> yeah, the Hindo. He was an A-minus prospect at the time, by the way. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that minus factoring in there just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and then Sean Newcomb was in front of our old friend Nick, Tropi- uh, Nick Tropiano, Nitro. Okay. A name that Angels fans would remember for sure. And then after that, you got to go pretty damn far to find an Angel who most people would recognize. I think after that, like seven, Cam Pedrosian, eight, Chris Ellis, who was also involved in this trade, and nine, Trevor Gott, who was involved to get one of my favorite angels of all time, Yanel Escobar. Mm. <laughs> that's a different oh, That's a different episode. That's, di- that's going to be a different podcast episode to talk about how many helmets he ruined in his <laughs> angels career, slamming them on the ground. Hey, it's okay. <laughs> the guy literally wrote F you in the dirt to an umpire and got ejected. I don't know what more you guys want. The guy was a winner, okay? The guy if, was a winner. If it was Angel Hernandez, we all agree. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we'll get into uh, Sean Newcomb a little later. Uh, Chris Ellis was the other piece. Like I said, he was an Angels top prospect at the time. Uh, he went on to eventually make his MLB debut for the Orioles. And then Eric Ibar, who, of course, was the quote-unquote other big name that hurt a lot of Angels fans. Because Eric Ibar, I believe, was entering the final year of his Angels contract. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. Angels wanted more stability at shortstop. Ibar was aging at the time. I believe he was probably like, what, 32, 33? Yes. He was on a downswing. Yeah, because yes. he's almost 39 now. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, he was entering his mid-30s. Uh, and Eric Ibar, for those of you guys who might be newer Angels fans, well, was a stellar Angel. Uh, let me see. He was a terrific prospect for a long time because – yeah. He was one of those younger, in that young group of angels, like the Howie Kendricks, the Eric Ibars, the Mike Napoli's, the Jerry He came Beavers, up in 06. That came up in 06, that pretty much all came up in the same time at the time when they were Rancho Cucamonga Quakes affiliates, up to AA, up to AAA. And that was the last time I think we've had really a, a, a huge group of angels that came up from beginning to pros through the system. Nowadays, you know, there's more trades and everything happening in a different era of baseball right now. But he was in that group back then. And he was, again, a terrific prospect in his minor days as well. Yeah, and coincidentally, that's when the Angels uh, were a little more dominant in terms of winning division titles, you know what I mean? Because they built from within. They had these group of guys. They formed a culture. And it it worked for, you know, the beginning of Artie Moreno's tenure here. So real quick, so Eric Ibar, 1,220 games as an Angel. Uh, he was never really a power guy. He only hit 48 home runs, but he did hit a big home run in the second to last game of the 2015 season in Texas. 
um, that eventually led the Angels to play a meaningful 162 where they ended up losing to the Rangers. But I digress. Uh, he had a 350, or sorry, yeah, he had a 315 on base percentage, which is, you know, pretty damn good, and a 276 career batting average as an Angel. So, I mean, I, I don't know what more he could have asked out of the dude. He, he was here for 10 years, by the way. Yeah. I think he was just that prototypical shortstop. Short, speedy, great glove. At the time, that's where baseball was. Nowadays, a lot of shortstops, as we see right now, Trey Turner, Carlos Correa, Dansby Swanson, all those power-hitting shortstops. It wasn't like that back in the day. Your power hitters were pretty much first, third, and your outfielders and your big thumping DH. Shortstop, yep. he he was a prototypical shortstop in baseball during his time from 06 to 2017. Yeah, he came up at just the right time. If he would have came up, you know, five or six years later, we might not be talking about Eric Ibar because he probably wouldn't have, you know, survived the that kind of baseball. Because like you said, almost everybody right now has a power-hitting shortstop, big-name shortstop. You know, you look around the league right now, this might be the most talented group of shortstop we've ever seen in our lives at one time. Well, yeah. yeah. When you have big, like I said, when you have big names like Correa, like Trey Turner, Xander Bogarts, Squiddy Poo, I'm sorry, that's wrong. That's oh, correct. Yeah. <laughs> that one's for Todd. That's a special one for Todd. 100% agree, though. If if he if his timing was a little bit different in his career, yeah, or he played maybe a few less years with the Angels, you know, maybe instead of 06 to 2015, maybe 2010 to 2015, his impact might have been a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. So. You know, like I said, he he was kind of the, the 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 big blow to Angels fans. But realistically, the big piece I went over was Sean Newcomb. Now, Sean Newcomb is a guy who really hasn't been able to make too much of his career. Very highly touted prospect, had the stuff. A lot of injuries kind of derailed. You know, a, a large chunk of his career. So his career numbers: two point one wins above replacement, twenty six wins, twenty four losses, a four point five two ERA. He pitched 161 total games and started 58 of them. So they obviously tried him as a bullpen uh, arm as well. Didn't work out for him either. So, and I think he just got released last year, DFA'd last year. Yeah, they finally gave up on him. I know. Or, they were, 2021, they, sorry, is when he got DFA'd. My apologies. Yeah, they, they really wanted him to be that next pitcher because I know when they went over, Atlanta was in the rebuild mode. And they thought he was going to be a centerpiece uh, in that trade for the future of the Atlanta Braves uh, starting rotation. And then as they were building their rotation, uh, he became uh, maybe a focal point for their bullpen. A sixth man, a long reliever, supposedly a guy that could help out in the postseason. That didn't work. So uh, I think Newcomb never lived up to his potential. And I think sadly for him, I don't think he's ever, you know, if he gets another chance, it might just be as a, you know, long relief type dude, not, uh, you know, nothing, nothing special. I think his time has, has came and went for that. Yeah. His days of starting, I think are done. Yeah. I, yeah. I think based on those numbers, based on his trajectory from the angels to the Braves and back and forth, I know he's had some injuries in between that has derailed his career a little bit. Starting days are over, and especially right now, even if he was still with the Atlanta Braves, he's not battling for a starting rotation spot with the Atlanta Braves right now. You know, maybe you see him going to a lower team, the Royals, the Tigers, A's. something like that, the A's, to maybe revive his career a little bit. Uh, you know, it'd be the perfect situation. He'd go to the A's and then throw seven shutout against the Angels. 
but <laughs> that's just <laughs> that's just something we're you know we're hell bent with for the rest of our lives. But that would be the his best scenario in that point. I think in order for that to happen, he would have to prove health, a little longevity. He would be one of those guys that needs a one year deal to prove what he's got to see if he can last a little bit longer and dry as much as he can out of his MLB dream. To be to be honest, I could easily see him make a uh, an appearance with the Yakamoto Dragons, you know, and try to <laughs> try to get a couple year contract over the Savannah there. Bananas. There you go, <laughs> Bananas. Hey, a lot of if you think about it, a lot of those players that go foreign, especially to the KBO or Japanese, they come back a couple of years later. Look at Chris Flexen for the Mariners when mm. after he came back. I know drew Ruchinski, who's been in at the kbo for a couple of years he's trying to make a resurgence back and Ruchinski used to be a former angel prospect before going over to miami i think that was the dan heron deal if i'm not mistaken but it's an interesting point that you mentioned that todd about going foreign in that case yeah because you remember uh real quick marcus thames when he yeah. went over there yep, his yep. career was about over and then he just started hitting 50 bombs and he gets a new <laughs> contract with the brewers so that's how and he came over to the Brewers and was pretty productive. He was for, for about two, three years, and then he kind of tapered off after that. But still, he got two or three years out of Major League Baseball. That's that's a win. That's a win. If I if I'm Thames, why not? I'll take it. Yeah, past thirty five, can't beat that. Nope. Yeah, I mean, going to uh, you know going to play overseas in, in Japan and Korea, and even you know some of the uh, like the Dominican League and like Mexican uh, what is that fall ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, has Mexican kind of winter. turned into uh, has kind of turned into what like going to the uh, European football league used to be for these guys. That's true. You know these yeah. football players. That, that's almost kind of what it's turned into. Honestly, I think that you know the level of play in, in Japan is, is very good. That's probably the those are probably the second best players in the world, right? They say MLB is the best players in the world, but Japan's definitely a close second. You know, I, I've actually seen, like, uh, some of these foreign baseball leagues compared. So, obviously, the MLB is the cream of the crop. Uh, they compare playing in Japan to playing AAA baseball. The KBO to playing AA baseball is, like, the way I've seen it compared to on things like Reddit. And, you know, or I, I've heard certain guys mention that, you know, a play like Adam Jones was like, oh, yeah, you know, playing in Japan is kind of like playing in, uh, you know, AAA. I would agree with that because, you know, during the pandemic and all we had to watch on ESPN was reruns of championship games and KBO action at 1 a.m. in the morning. Oh, uh, yeah, that was awesome. You you completely saw how offensively driven that league is, which is very reminiscent to basically low A, high A, and double A. High yeah. offensive leagues, pitching is averaging four and a half to five runs a game. That's just natural. When you get to the triple A level here in America – um, it's it's pretty pitcher driven, you know. You do get high offensive games, the nineteen to eighteens, and the wacky games, but most of it is more pitching related. So I can see how Japan is like AAA and that stuff. But if Japan was number one, you wouldn't see guys like Otani and Senga and you know all these Japanese top Ichiro quality Suzuki. players. Ichiro Suzuki, coming over into That's America true. to play with the cream of the crop. That's Absolutely. Just, that's that's an easy one. Yeah, the goal is for any international player to get to the major leagues. It, it still is, and it probably will always be. Well, yeah, obviously, you know, there's there's more money in terms of contracts. Uh, maybe not in terms of endorsements for some of these guys. 
But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, guys like Otani are competitive in nature. And a guy like Otani wants to prove that he's the best in the world. And let's be honest, from what we've seen out of 2021 and 2022, Shohei Otani has proven that he is the most talented baseball player on this planet. And if you disagree with me, you're lying to yourself or you're just flat out wrong. I'm not going to say maybe you know, he's not the most consistent baseball player in the world. He hasn't proven it on a massive scale. Uh, a massive scale, you know. Trout's been the best player in the world for you know over a decade because he's consistent. Now, if Otani starts having a third straight year, okay, cool. Well, now, obviously, we know that the first couple of years were actually a fluke with Otani because of his injuries. I mean, he won Rookie of the Year in 2018, right? 20, 2018. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, he had a he had a solid year, but I mean, it wasn't an incredible year. I think if we're being honest with ourselves, the reason why he won in 2018 was because, you know, the the two guys who the Yankees had were, you know, average to above average guys. And Otani's more marketable. It looks a lot better for baseball if Otani's your rookie. Yeah, Otani was like a show pony for baseball. Exactly. look, Look at this new shiny toy that we have. He's playing in Major League Baseball. We're making profit off of him. Let's reward him for basically leaving Japan and joining us. That's... Even though it looks this, a lot better for baseball if that's the story than some dude from the Yankees. Cool, bro. Nobody cares. <laughs> Who's <yeah>. this guy? <laughs> and Otani had moments during his rookie season. That was evident. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, if, like you said, if Otani was good in 2021 and he was exceptional in 2022, imagine what he's going to be in 2023, especially without the shift. I know that's a whole different conversation. I don't want to get too off topic, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's the trajectory that these international players are, are coming in with at that point. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Shoei Otani has just been. Now we're obviously straying a little bit away from the topic, but you know, people love hearing about Otani, so it's probably fine. Yeah, man, Shoei Otani is just an absolute talent to watch. But I just want to remind everybody that in 2018, when let's face it, we were all panicking in spring training because he wasn't hitting and he wasn't pitching very well either. I mean, he was pitching in minor league games. And we were all just kind of like, Ugh, and like you had people on Dodgers pages being like, oh, we dodged the bullet with that guy. Let me just remind you guys this offseason when you guys are trying to blow your load to get Otani, <laughs> just remember that people kept the receipts. And, you know, if he in some mythical, hypothetical world signs with the Dodgers, I'll be the first in line to print out those giant print out just screenshots of that and be like, remember, you guys didn't want this guy before. And now you want him. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, you didn't want the, you know, the, that that dude or girl who was in the back of the class. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, they're a nerd and they're ugly. And all of a sudden they're like a, a 12 out of 10, a dime plus 99. And, you know, you want them now? No, Dodger fans, it doesn't work like that. No. It's going to be a long, long road to hoe if we I, – I don't – can we not think about that? I don't want yeah, to have to get to that point. <laughs> I'm sick to my stomach. Like if I ate way too much Taco Bell, just thinking about that. Because oh, here we go with the Taco Bell slander. I want to. I want to yeah. quit baseball if that's the case, dude. I, I, I seriously do. I, I couldn't. I was, I was willing to buy a Mike Trout jersey if he was to leave the Angels back in the day before he signed his lifetime contract. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I would be willing to get Otani jersey from another team, but the Dodgers, I will not put on. That yeah. will not. I, I can't. Yeah. Yankees. No, Red Sox, eh, you're towing a line. But any, yeah, no, that's please. I just say, let's not go there. That, that, yeah, <laughs> those three names I agree with, and the Astros. 
Anybody yeah. else, I will follow uh, Otani and, and still fully support the dude. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if Otani in this world signs with the Dodgers, this will be a rugby podcast. And I don't even care about rugby. <laughs> We're just, I'm going to start caring all of a sudden. We're I'd be like, let's talk. It's time to talk Sparks basketball on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, and, to, and Todd announced he's leaving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this is it. His swung yeah. song is complete. Yeah, Todd's like, I'm leaving the show. Yeah, I'm done. No. Let's let's get but, back on track. But Andleton Simmons, yeah. though. <laughs> so Chris Ellis was the other piece that was involved. Chris Ellis has uh, accumulated a career war of one. He is Juan and O. He's got a 3.12 ERA for his career in 10 games. Eight of those were starts. He's pitched in 34.2 innings. So a uh, very uneventful career. Uh, and he has pitched for the Orioles, the Royals, and the Rays. There you go. If you if you look at that, you know, there's not really too much to dive in on Ellis because his career has been very short. And then you add Bersenio into the mix. If you Or, or Bersenio came to us in that mix. But yes, still... If you look at the two pitchers and excluding Eric Ibar for a moment, even if you include Eric Ibar, at that time that Ibar was getting a little bit older, just Andleton Simmons, take away Brissanio, the Angels won the trade. Let, let's put oh, that absolutely. out there right now. The Angels won the trade based on the numbers that we have today. Could they be different if the trade didn't go down or you know all A to Z things? Of course. But the Angels won the trade, so I think automatically right there, you know, nobody, I think we can all agree on that unanimously. We won that trade. Absolutely. Real quick. So let me talk about Eric Ibar because a lot of Angels fans remember him fondly. You know, great player. So let's talk about his one single year with Atlanta. 97 games, batted 242, had a 290, uh, 293 on base percentage. So, you know, not as high as it has been, but, you know, we're still flirting with getting on pace 30% of the time. And his slugging percentage was 313. Um, so he was still finding ways to get on base. His defense was still pretty good. But what I'm saying is, yeah, imagine if Eric Ibar would have been on the Angels in 2016. Granted, the Angels didn't make the playoffs in 2016. Obviously, we haven't since 2014. But what I'm saying is, I mean, there is no way that anybody can argue that this was not a good trade for the Angels. Honestly, with, this is probably up there in Angels history for one of the better trades that have been made. Not because, you know, it, it led to a championship, but because you got a very, very solid shortstop who was controllable for, you know, half a decade in exchange for basically nothing. Usually we're holding on to guys like that. You know, like I... Yeah, like Caleb Coward. Yeah, I, I yeah. referenced this before when we, you know, not to go off topic again, but just the one trade that always bothers me, which could have changed this organization no matter what already did, was stand, standing pat when we had an opportunity to get Miguel uh, Cabrera, Dontrell Willis, and A.J. Per, uh, Burnett. And we had to, all we had to give up was a uh, at that time, talented guys like Sean Newcomb who were, you know, had potential but they weren't exactly proven. So you had Irvin Santana, you had um, with Jeff Mathis, Dallas McPherson. Uh, I, mean, I know I'm missing out on a couple other players. It was, but it was it was like a good five players for one or for five players for three, 
and the Marlins were all in, and the Angels were the ones that stepped away from the table. And mm-hmm. you could have had a, a Hall of Famer and Miggy on the squad along with Guerrero, a great rotation. Maybe Willis gives you three more good years before he winds up crapping out. Burnett finished up with a long career. Yeah, it could have changed things, and and here's a deal where the Angels went out and got a player and were able to hold on to Simmons for quite some time because they weren't scared to pull the trigger. Well, he had signed an extension with the Braves, so you know, and like Dominic said earlier, they were in rebuild mode. Yeah, but yeah, they're tearing I mean, it down. But they could have just said, "Hey, you know, we get we got scared and and not you know pulled the trigger." Yeah. They, they did. So so kudos to the Angels for that one because they definitely did win the trade. You guys are right. This was Billy Epler's first off season as the general manager. So he wanted to come in and make some a good changes, splash. right? Yeah, because, I mean, who was the Angels? Uh, well, I was going to say, who was the Angels shortstop in 2015? It was Eric Ibar. But their second baseman was a guy named Johnny Giovatella. Mm-hmm. If anybody remembers Mr. <clears throat> Go, Johnny, Go. Leave that Italian stallion alone. <laughs> I was I was honestly out The Italian dreamboat. I hey. still have his promo for Angel Central when I was on there when he's like, join <laughs> Johnny G- Giovatella. No, I was a, a huge Johnny Giovatella fan. Mm-hmm. I thought the, the quick speediness, it, it had reminiscence of Eric Ibar a little bit, maybe not as great of a glove, but just that short, prototypical middle infielder, David Eckstein type feel. Yep. Um, I love that guy. You know, they also at that time had, you know, David Freeze for a, free, a few years when Simmons came to town, you, uh, you know. Yep. The Fernando favorite Escobar, you know Escobar in the house, mm. um, you know. <laughs> so the Angels, boy. the Angels had some interesting the the roster that year. I, I have it right here. The first year of Andleton Simmons, this was the Angels starting lineup. Catcher was Carlos Perez, first base C.J. Crone, uh, Giovatella at second, Escobar at third, Simmons short, in left field Rafael Ortega. Oh, Mike Trout in center, Cole Calhoun in right, and Albert Pujols. In right feet, or pardon me, designated hitter. Who's that? Yeah, so that was right after the uh, the Josh Hamilton um, debacle. Yeah, yeah. The Matt, the Matt Joyce, and the Josh Hamilton debacles. Jeez. <laughs> How about that? How about that? What was uh, that guy's name in left field? Uh, Vernon Well. No, was it Nova? Oh yeah, Daniel Nava. Yeah, Daniel Nava. Yeah, he was like a journeyman or whatever. Like, yeah. I think he went like to play overseas for a little bit, came back, played for the Red Sox or whatever. Then yeah. he signed with the Angels. Yeah, and then you had, you had just some wild, wild. That you know the that was between the time of Ionetta before Martin Maldonado. So the catching situation was awry. Uh, that was the set, the era of. Gia Vitella, but just before Danny Espinoza for a year. The Angels were in a very flux situation. So, look, again, looking at it from the past to now, Simmons, looking at just every position for the last couple of years, Simmons was the biggest mainstay outside of Mike Trout that was stable. The Angels, we always preach depth yep. and stability. Anderson Simmons, another pro for him. He was a hella stable shortstop, regardless of yep. what he did defensively or offensively. His health was always the biggest thing. He'd get hurt from just weird things. I remember 2016, I think it was Mother's Day. It, was it 16 or 17? He was making a diving play. He When he dove over, his glove uh, got stuck in the dirt. 
his uh, his thumb dug in with the glove, but the rest of his hand kept going. Yeah. So I remember him taking his glove off and just his thumb just like dangling. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that ligament damage. That yep. yeah, he had some wacko. But the funny thing is, those wacko injuries happened when he made an incredible play. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. The guy was the guy was just phenomenal. I remember he had another injury where he got hurt for like a couple weeks, falling down the stairs in the dugout. Yep. He was like climbing down like what the, the three steps they have to get into the Angels dugout and just he yeah flat, flat on his ass or whatever happened. Slipped on the mat that's meant for cleats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't a problem there. But no, Simmons was let's be like I said, him and Trout were the prototypical stability in that Angels starting lineup. And for, Cole Calhoun. He was here for, you know, quite a while. Yeah, Cole Calhoun was here from 2014 to 2019. So you could throw him into the mix. So yeah. Calhoun, Trout, and Simmons were your top three. I know Albert yeah. Pujols is there, but, you know, we yeah. all have our feelings about Albert. We but you could still real. put his name in Sharpie every year. Correct. So, But there was still stability for that Angels infield. And that's what the Angels had needed, especially coming from Eric Ibar, which was stability. You yeah. got stability in return. So there was plenty of pros in this deal. Like we already said, Angels won the trade value-wise on-field production, it was definitely a winner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. I mean, Andrelton Simmons, I, I think, was a great angel. I mean, okay, so let's go over some of his career numbers as an angel. So he only played in 561 games in five years. Seems like a lot, but, you know, the number could have been higher. You know, about keep in mind, he missed a pretty decent amount. Yeah, about hundred and. 110 games a year, so you're expecting one big injury every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was never a power hitter, but he did hit 36 home runs as an angel. He got 238 RBIs. Uh, he only struck out 202 times. Now, that's something that's not talked about a lot. Simmons did not strike out often at all. 202 times in five years? Those guys just strike out more than that in a season. The guy didn't strike out. He made consistent contact, and, you know, of course he went through his slumps, but, man, oh, man, was that guy good at, you know, making connections. He, he was a great leadoff hitter because he, he let off for us uh, quite a bit. Um, he batted 281 in those five years. He had an on-base percentage of 328. That's also something else that's pretty underrated about his game. And, you know, not to mention he was one of baseball's best defensive shortstops during those five years. What He won – two gold gloves and a platinum glove when he was here. And then I think every single year he was nominated and probably would have won if it wasn't for his injuries. But the biggest thing and the biggest hole in his career, he has not won or made it to an all-star game yet. 2017 was probably the year, but Mike Trout robbed him of it. And the only reason I say Mike Trout robbed him of it was because Mike Trout was out but he got in through the fan vote. So he was a quote-unquote elected starter, but he didn't play, nor did he show up. Because if you remember in 2017, Mike Trout was in San Bernardino during All-Star Weekend rehabbing. Mm. Mm. So that's the only reason. It's no disrespect to Mike Trout. Obviously, the guy deserves to be an All-Star. And he had great numbers, but he only played, like, what, through, like, the middle of May, and then Trout got hurt? I think that was the year he slid in a second base and his uh, wrist got effed up. Yeah, that was the thumb hand injury that. Yeah, now he wears the oven mitt. 
Yeah, that spun the generation of oven mitt players now, which yeah. is fine. It, it, good yeah, for them. I, I'm here for it. I think it looks kind of cool. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so 2017 for Andrelton Simmons. Let's talk about that year because that was his best year, in my opinion. That was the year he played the most games uh, of his career, actually. I was going to say as an angel, but not only as an angel, but of his career. He played 158 games. In that year, had 647 plate appearances. Got 164 hits, 14 home runs, 69 RBIs, batted 278 with a 331 on base percentage. Oh, and he was top 10 in MVP that year and won a gold glove. I think that was probably one of the most highly productive, even though Eric Ibar was a fan favorite and he... He he did his job. He never sometimes went above and beyond what he had to do just because the team around him, you know, he had people like Vladimir Guerrero in the lineup to do the dirty work. You yep. had Torrey Hunter. You had other guys like that. So Ibar knew his place. Simmons, at a time where the Angels were struggling offensively, he took the reins, and I'm not saying he was Mike Trout, but he stepped up into that top four player in that Angels lineup yep. and was a consistent Right behind player. Eric Young Jr., who was Mike Trout in 2017. Yeah, yeah, you. Hey, I'm. I'm not gonna. De- That'll be another podcast. Ever Young Junior. <laughs> Dude, that would be a fun show to to talk about, like yeah. the rise and fall of Eric Young Junior. <laughs> but even in 28, even if you look one year later to 2018, Andleton Simmons a 292 average, even improved there, 337 on base percentage, 417 slug, and he had 11 home runs and 75 RBIs. So a couple. Oh, and he won a Gold Glove. And he won a Gold Glove. So a couple of the statting categories go up, a few go down. It all balances out, and 146 games. So 12, a dozen less games, 47 less plate appearances. So that was probably one injury. But overall, that was, out of the five years, that was the chunk of time where he was legitimate. I know 2021, or not 2021, his last year was 2020 in the pandemic, you know, and we're not going to count the pandemic against him. Every player struggled, and it was a weird time. But out of the four full seasons that he got as an angel, those two were by far his most productive years. And somebody that could have got an extension, barring whatever issues were happening at the time when he left during that end of the 2020 season. Yeah, he, you know, he he had his mental health situation, and you know, it, it is what it is, right? I mean, you know, 2020 mm-hmm. was was hard for everybody. You know, I mean. I, I I don't know. Um, I will say this. I, I, you know, I, I like to joke that, you know, Escobar was my favorite angel of all time. You know, he I, I liked the way he played. I liked his energy. I just think he was ahead of his time. You know, he was quirky. He was fun. But, you know, once again, he, he if he would have played like if he would have been a rookie like two years ago, you know, Escobar probably would have lasted a little longer. But because he was such an a-hole. You know, he he didn't last too long. But if I'm being legitimately honest with you, Andrelton Simmons is my all-time favorite angel. Always played with heart. Yeah, he got hurt, but he always got hurt making a big play. He made plays that I never even thought possible. One of the ones that comes to my mind immediately when I think Andrelton Simmons was a ball that was thrown from the catcher to second base because somebody was stealing. So doesn't seem like a big deal, right? And why would Anderson Simmons get the ball? So the catcher, I don't know who it was. I want to say maybe Martin Maldonado uh, threw the ball over to second base, but nobody was covering second base. So instead of the ball rolling to center field, Anderson Simmons comes out of nowhere, robs the ball right at the corner where the dirt and the grass meet and prevents the runner from getting over to the third base. 
Yes. That was he was just he wasn't even in the frame. It was a lot of small things that he did right. Yeah, he yep. vacuumed up a lot of ground balls that should have got through the hole, or like you know, uh, Fernando said, getting runners from first to third. He stopped that a lot. Yeah, he used to do all kinds of crazy things. I remember in Houston, um, what year was it? Might have been seventeen, uh, where he made a catch, and as he was falling backwards, tagged a guy at third base, yep. and like slapped him in the face with the ball behind his back, and he got the out. He used to do stuff like that all the time. Yeah. Or uh, there was a time where um, he was uh, playing pickle with like Jose Altuve at second base, and the guy ran from third to home. He pretended like he wasn't paying attention, and he just threw the ball across his body, got the guy out at home. He was you very know? athletic in that sense, where he could throw across his body. You know, I know everybody talks about the good old you know Derek Jeter play where he backhands the ball, makes the big jump, throws it to first. Simmons did that and more. He was very athletic, oh, yeah. and I. The, the time I love seeing his athleticism on display was when he's at shortstop, a batter fouls a ball on the third base side in like shallow left field, but it's not going in the seats. It's in that foul territory, especially when the Angels are playing in Oakland with the huge foul territory space. And he would make that run from near second base on a shift all the way to foul territory where you think it should be the third baseman's ball in a heartbeat, right? He's got the shorter distance. No, you see a full sprint, layout, you know, just at that point, he could have just done like a little, you know, Mary Lou Retton, you know, pirouette at the end, and everybody would have scored him a 10.0. He was the model of athleticism. I think that was my favorite aspect about Andleton Simmons. It was his athleticism and how bendy like a rubber band he was, diving for a ball, jumping, catching, throwing. Even his swing was very rubber bandy at times. We always talk about Adrian Beltre who would, yep. you know, strike out and go down to a knee. Simmons would do that and get a hit. You know, it's kind Simmons of Simmons would hit home runs from his knee. It was it was very reminiscent of like I said Beltre, maybe even sometimes Vladimir Guerrero Jr cuz that stance, he didn't have that prototypical batting stance. He had kind of the the oddly kind of cringed yeah. arm a little bit and kind of was swinging it and then he would kind of coil up and swing. So when he coiled, naturally the swing progression is down which dropped into a knee. So the athleticism, whole body, head to toe, was off the charts. Probably, I would say, he wins for most athletic shortstop in Angels history. I'll give him that credit, for sure. Okay. Best defensive shortstop in Angels history? I wasn't alive for half of them. So, <laughs> yeah, <that's fair>. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't alive for half, but I would say in since my in my lifetime. Well, Todd was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Todd is young. How dare you? Todd is young and hard. Oh, Papa <laughs> Fox for sure was. You, Papa Fox would be the one to ask. Did Did your dad like Anderton Simmons, Todd? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he's he did. One of, probably one of his favorite players. Okay, I would I would say in my lifetime, full disclosure, born nineteen ninety five, in my reign, I've I've seen or the players that have been playing: D. Sarcina, Gill, Eckstein, Cabrera, Ibar, Simmons, Iglesias, Velasquez. In my era, you could throw Fletcher and Renhifo in there if you want. Um, <laughs> in in the era of shortstop, since I've been you know born, I would say Simmons is the most athletic. Then Ibar would be second, and you know those would be the top two most athletically gifted shortstops since '95. Todd, okay. um, I'd have to go and since he covered the athletic side of it, I'll agree with that. Uh, if I had to rank mine, 
I'd have to go Doug DeSensei's number one uh, because his power numbers, um, he had, you know, three seasons of 20 or two seasons of, uh, no, actually, yeah, three over 20 home runs, one of 30. Um, you know, he had a career batting average with the Angels. Uh, he only played six years, but he had a, a 265 average. Um, you know, he was that power hitting shortstop that the Angels really never had. He, he led the team to two playoff appearances. And then I would say number two uh, for me would be uh, Orlando Cabrera. Uh, he put together some really good seasons with the Angels. Uh, you know, very consistent batter. You know, hit 300, close to it, and again, was always high uh, RBIs, good defense. And then De Sarcina for longevity. Uh, he, he was just on the Angels for his entire career, 98 to 2000. Um, not going to blow you away with his home runs, but his defense was key. His batting average was always high. He got on base. And then I would say uh, Eckstein and Ibar would round out my five. I would have Anderton right at six because I think Eckstein's accomplishments, you know, were here and in St. Louis. You could see he was that, that cog, that missing piece to a, to a World Series winning playoff team. Uh, Ibar, I thought, was amazing with the pitching. He would always go out there. I've brought this up many times. He'd go up and, and pat a guy in the back when the pitching coach didn't come out yet or when the catcher didn't even come out. He'd just give him a few words of wisdom, and it seemed like it would loosen up the pitcher and he'd pitch a little bit better. I never saw Ibar go out there and the pitcher would blow up and suck. Like he And, and he just he did little things, and like you guys said, he was perfect for the era he was in. And I think the same thing with De Sarcina. If they were around right now, they'd be bench players at best. But uh, they, they fit the mold at the time, maybe even Eckstein too. But I think for their eras, they were good. I think Simmons is no slouch, though. Um, I mean, you could easily, you know, uh, battle my picks and put him ahead of any of those guys except DeSensei's, in my opinion. Um, Simmons, Simmons was a solid, solid player for the Angels. It's just the years we had him, we didn't have our best players around him. Yeah, that's that's a good one. The one person I agree with you, Todd, on all that information. The one thing I would forget: Have we forgot that Jim Fergosi was an angel? Like, I know that was very early on, back you know, sixties, because in his eleven years with the Angels, two sixty-eight average, over fourteen hundred hits, uh, two hundred nineteen, or pardon me, one hundred fifteen home runs, five hundred forty-six RBIs, and he was a workhorse, one thousand four hundred twenty-nine games. I think that's. Maybe just because he's older, you know, before mm -hmm. all our time. <laughs> a yeah, little I bit. can't cover that one. <laughs> yeah. that, I think that's just a gen I think a generic one that all three of us can't relate to. You know, yeah. that'd be further down the, the gene pool a little bit. Um, but there, the I would say sh out of all nine positions, shortstop's been a position the Angels have had at least five or six quality names through the years. Yeah, there's some positions haven't, that haven't let them down. Yeah, I, I would think if, if you're going to rank positions as far as the least productive in, in this team's history, I would have to circle catcher. Uh, it wouldn't be shortstop. I think you've had a plethora, no, yeah. like we've gone through shortstops that have had longevity, good hitting. Uh, catcher has always been the spot that's always been, you know, like you could yeah. say, okay, we had Benji Molina for a little while. We had Mike Napoli, but we gave up on him too fast. Mm -hmm. Chris Iannetta, could you put him in there? Martin Maldonado, defense? I think the sad part is, like, you can, you know, put Chris Iannetta in there and not get left out of the building. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, here, here's one that, like, nobody remembers. I mean, only, like, really hardcore fans like my dad would remember, and that's Lance Parrish. He was only here a few years. He was mostly known for his 
time in Detroit winning a World Series uh, in, in Philly, I think, winning one as well. But when he came to Anaheim, he was here, I think, three or four years. He was a top five catcher, top three even, belting a lot of home runs. Uh, a lot of people said that Mike Napoli was the next Lance Parrish. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, like, that's that's probably the best we've ever had. Like, we've never been blessed with good catchers, really. Per, per, uh, he was here from 89 to 91. He had a war of 4.5 in 1990, and his offensive war stats, he was a, let me look at my numbers here, 23.2 offensive war in 89, 19.0 in 90, and 10.6 offensive war. So he was a high-octane, high-offensive catcher. Exactly. Which, you know, you could probably put, by based on the offensive numbers alone, mm-hmm. it's Benji Molina, Mike Napoli, Parrish, and Chris Iannetta. That's it, yeah. Yeah, Maldonado can maybe squeak in there. He had some high offensive war numbers of over 20. After that, it's it's not pretty. The catch, catcher is very weak. Jeff Mathis. <laughs> Jonathan Lucroy. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I forgot Jonathan Lucroy was on this team. I'm going to take a shot yeah. right here, but I think a certain Soto can bat better than Jeff Mathis nowadays. Oh, here we just, go with this. Hey, hey. Yeah, here we go with LeVon Soto praise. <laughs> do not disrespect a world champion with the Braves, Jeff Mathis. He got his ring for doing absolutely nothing. He played, well, you didn't what, try on the group project, but got an A. Yeah. Oh yeah, he played what seven Sunday day uh, games or game hey, two of a hot doubleheader. That was his role. Hey, all you need these days to do is to get popular on social media or in the world is to play on Sundays. Oh, there you go. Be mic'd <laughs> up. You have to be mic'd up. <laughs> All right. So Angleton Simmons is sixth in Angels all-time war for the shortstop position. Mm-hmm. But 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 you know the caveat is he has significantly less games than almost everybody ahead of him. Okay, so the highest war shortstop, do you guys want to take a guess? Fergosi? Yeah. Okay. It was Fergosi. And it, he was involved in the Nolan Ryan trade, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, that also is up there for best Angels trade of all time. Uh, so Jim, Jim Fergosi played 1,429 games as an Angel he, from his age 19 to age 29 season. He had a war of 45.9 in that 10-year stretch. Bobby Gritch, number two, 35.1 wins above replacement, 1,222 games. Okay. Hmm. Number three, the guy who was involved in this trade, Eric Ibar. Obviously, this was the tail end of his career. They traded him at the right time. He had a career war of 23 wins above replacement. He played 1,220 games as an angel. All right, so bear with me. We're getting close. Troy Gloss, 22.6 wins above replacement. 827 games with the Angels. I don't know. If they're not obviously not counting uh, just his shortstop years, though. I don't think he played much shortstop, right? No, he was primarily third base. Yeah. So I don't know why they threw him in this category, but they did. So, you know, we might actually just be able to eliminate his name. And the last guy who's ahead of Anderson Simmons, Sean Figgins, 22.4 wins above replacement, 936 games. Okay. Get Figgy with it. Get Figgy. Yeah, I I love Figgy. (laughs) One of my all-time favorite angels. I think most people will probably say, yeah, I like Figgins. You know, he was a gamer. That might have gone down as one of the one of many 
to say the least. Stupid decisions the Angels did. Yeah. Letting him letting him walk and go to Seattle because we all know once he left for Seattle, he was never the same player ever again. And again, who who followed up Sean Figgins? Uh, the good old negative one and a half war Brandon Wood. Mm. Hey, the winner. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now let me make my final pitch for Andleton Simmons to see if you guys, you know, changed your mind a little bit and you'd put him in your top, you know, top three. Okay. So in 561 career games as an angel, he is the sixth best angel shortstop in terms of war. And his war was 20 even in 561 games. He was able to single-handedly get the Angels 20 wins. And keep in mind, compared to the people in front of him, so from Sean, Sean Figgins up, 936 games, 827 games, 1,220, 1,222, and finally with Jim Fergosi with 1,429. Simmons is right about there with, you know, 400 less games yeah. or 300 less games than Sean Figgins. I'd say if you said we're talking top five shortstops of all time, Simmons is in. Well, I, anybody who disagrees with that is an idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Let, disclaimer, let's put that disclaimer. Anybody that doesn't think that is dumb. But for the conversation purposes, we're talking top three. Um, you know, it, it is hard sometimes to, you know, to disagree with numbers but again the limited time span is a little tougher when it comes to the stats for me i'll put it out there right now here's my three and i and i said going in andleton simmons would be tied third i okay. still i put Fergosi at number one i would put eric ibar at two and david Eckstein and simmons tied at three i think the reason why david Eckstein gets a third place vote you have to give him props for I think he gets extra credit for the 2002 World Series and what he helped lead the Angels, especially a wild card team. He was a figment. Again, he was kind of like Ibar and Sim. You know, all those guys were very fan favorite shortstops. Uh -huh. So that kind of all cancels them out against each other. After that, you know, there could be a discussion. Maybe does DeSarcina get in there at some point? But again, those are your five. Orlando Cabrera, I, Todd, I agree with you on that. He's a sneaky pick. If he lasted a couple more years, at the level he was playing, he was a, a, an over two war, high four war for yeah. his three year span. He had an 8.4 war as an angel. Yeah, he, he was phenomenal. I think he had good glove work, his bat at the top of the order, especially in the two hole before, at the time, Vladimir Guerrero and a lot of Juan Rivera, who was a big hitter for the Angels at the time, Jose Guillen. So you had a lot of that going on. So again, it's really tough to say just based on the amount of years they played with the Angels because if we're going based on years, well, guess what? Fergosi's winning that debate, and then there's a long list down the line. Yeah. Uh, but Eckstein well, gets uh, – I think Eckstein the, gets bonus points for the World Series and how that turned the Angels organization around from the early 2000s to, you know, 2010 or so. Let me ask you this. So you you say that Eckstein and DeSarcina, you know, are, are up there for you. What do you think David Eckstein's war was as an Angel? I know 2001 and 2002 were his higher war seasons. They were over, I know one was over five. I think it was like 5.1 or 5.2 in that regard. But I think total war, he'd probably be at least over a 10 for sure. Because I know he, okay. he tapered off after those two seasons for sure. And again, he was only an angel for four years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was only a year more than 
Simmons. So his right. war was 13.1. What do you think Gary DeSarcina was at? DeSarcina was with the Angels. In 1,086 for... games. 1,086 games. For, I'm going to say comparable, probably somewhere between 10, looking at the – because the Angels in the 90s were not great. And again, I was in diapers, so give me a little break no, here. No, <laughs> no, no. no um, you're... I, I will say DeSarcina was no better than Eckstein. But no worse, I'm going to say crappy Angels in the 90s, somewhere between an 8.5 and, and a 12. He was at 11.2. Okay. I, okay. Woohoo! My brain works. That's a good thing. <laughs> so, I, I just, I just with, with DSR, why he's a fan favorite to me, why I, I would go Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs if I met him too, because I think he was just that one player where he'd scoop up everything. He, was, he wasn't flashy, didn't do anything spectacular. But just, you know, he give you good at bats. He was a great leader. I mean, you could point back to that 95 season. Had he not got hurt, I don't think they go on those losing streaks. I mean, the, the exact time he was out was the exact time they couldn't win a fucking ball game. Sorry. Uh, just there, they were they were just, I don't know. They needed him. He was, he was just something missing when, when he went out, dude. In a way, he was like the Mike Trout. You know, Mike Trout goes down in 2021. All hell breaks loose for the Angels. You know, he was a figment. I think you have to take, you know, there's an element into this conversation that, that, you know, we talk about this all the time in sports, excuse me, with the greatest of all time conversation. In basketball, is it LeBron? Is it Jordan? Is it Kobe? Um, you know, baseball, there's a multitude of people that can be in that conversation. Football, Tom Brady, you know, you name your favorite player there. The greatest of all time, or at least top five organizationally, however, whatever list you put together, you have to take the generation of the sport into consideration. Especially, I, we, we hear this all the time, especially with basketball. Is it Jordan? Is it Kobe? Is it Magic? Is it, you know, LeBron? I'm Each, positive it's not Magic. Yeah. You know, you know they, well, could it be Chamberlain? It could be whatever. In that case, they all played in extremely different eras of basketball. Could LeBron do what Jordan did in the 90s? Probably not. Could Kobe have done it? Well, Kobe <clears throat> replicated Jordan, so who knows? But it's always going to be a who knows question, and I think that kind of goes in with this. Could Andleton Simmons do what he did with that 20 war back in the 90s when the Angels were losing a lot? We're never going to know. I mean, the, the Angels were losing a lot while he was here. The, cali <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the caliber of pitching was different in the 90s than it is today. You know, hey, they were using the spitball back in the day. They had the sticky stuff. Nowadays, we don't have the sticky stuff as much. Well, so, listen, well think about this, man. Imagine if you you replace Eckstein and put Simmons on that squad, that 2002 squad. I mean, oh, they're much, nastier. Yeah, they, uh, they're, they're winning over 100 games easy. Yeah, because yeah. you have Simmons who's probably hitting 280 because, you know, he was a you know 280 hitter as an angel. Yeah. You know, he was you, getting about 15 homers. If you right? look at it, the four years Eckstein, to use that as an example, 2001, the Angels win 75 games. 2002, of course, World Series, 99 wins. 2003, 78 wins. 2004, Eckstein's final year, the Angels go off and win 92 games. So, there could be a conversation, sake that Andleton Simmons could have made that squad better just based on the numbers. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. He would have, he would have probably hit more home runs because he would have got better pitches to hit. He would have probably got more walks. You could say the same thing if you put him on the 95 squad, replace him with Gary DeSarcina. 
Um, I, I think you'd, you'd get more numbers out of them. Um, but, you know, here's, a, here's what it is. Here's, now that we brought this up, here's a fun little tidbit I'd like to see. Where would Annelton Simmons be placed in the batting order instead of Eckstein? Would he have been a leadoff hitter? Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the 2002, we know, let me see. Uh, to, the 2003 squad was very similar except Tim Salmon, uh, or pardon me here, Darren Erstad, Salmon, uh, instead of Fulmer, it was Jeff Devannon. So let's go with the 70, 77 win 2003 Angels squad, which was Molina, Spezio, Kennedy, Gloss, X, uh, Eckstein, a.k.a. Andleton Simmons, Anderson, Erstad, Devannon, Salmon. Where do you think Simmons would rely upon? Because Eckstein was the prototypical leadoff hitter. You know, could Simmons go leadoff? And then bat behind Darren Erstad. Maybe Erstad gets shifted into the leadoff position. Simmons maybe goes down to maybe the where Brad Fulmer was in the six hole and match him with Spezio a little bit. You know, there's an interesting question to be had because you already know the bottom third of your order was going to be Devannon, Molina, Kennedy. I think you would you would lead him off and then have Erstad second, third, Salmon. Gloss Anderson or Anderson Gloss. Yeah. Yeah, you could have that conversation. I, I, I've always loved Darren Urset as a as a leadoff hitter as well. I always I always felt even growing up, Urset and Eckstein were very similar in their approaches mm-hmm. to the plate. You know, and or of course Urstad had a little more pop in his bat than David Eckstein did. But Simmons does make a, a quality case to to make those four years of Angels baseball even better. Oh, I'll tell you one thing, one last thing about that though is if Simmons played on that team or at any time with Darren Erstad in his prime, that would have been good baseball to watch. You would have had mm-hmm. just Erstad snagging everything at either first or center field, diving, making incredible plays, stealing bases, getting his jersey dirty, and then you'd see Simmons trying to outdo him with the same kind of stuff, making over-the-shoulder yeah. catches, diving, stealing plays, making unbelievable double plays, uh, swinging from his uh, from his knees, I mean, it would have been awesome to watch those two out on the same team. And you would have had a great technician tandem between Simmons at short and Adam Kennedy at second. Exactly. That would have been a nice, you know, little transfer, you know, up the middle of the infield, um, which the Angels have had. Let's be real. The Angels have had some pretty good tandems up the middle of the infield. You know, you had Ibar as as Torres. You had um, Ibar and Kendrick. Ibar Kendrick, you had Fletcher Simmons. They're, the Angels have had some some really good dynamic duos up and the Gimitella middle. Gibatella wasn't that bad either, you no. know, as, as a second baseman. So no, the Angels are. Yeah, Gibatella walked so Fletcher could run. <laughs> <laughs> Leave the short Italians alone. I feel I feel personally and verbally attacked right now. I'm just I, I think we've ha- <laughs> we've also had a weakness at third defensively, and you know, outside of Gloss and a couple other players. Yeah. Third base okay. has been a weakness too. So, like, the Third. rest of the infield has been always really, really good. But the I will Angel- not accept you know Escobar slander. There you go. <laughs> the All Angels, right. the Angels have been marred at third base since letting Figgins go. Yeah, you know they had Wood Kiaspo. Alberto oh. Kiaspo wasn't. You know, was he the worst? No. Yeah. Was he great? No. Then you had two years of washed up David Freeze, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. You know, two years of Escobar, which offensively he had a very high batting average. Mm-hmm. Uh, the late uh, Luis Valbuena, 
And then David Fletcher for a little bit in 2019. And then, of course, Rendon and Mayfield and Rendon and other players like that. You know, Jonathan VR. Jonathan VR and other players. You know, the Angels haven't had a, a, a stout third baseman since Troy Gloss. And to put it in perspective, Troy Gloss was, as I count here, one, two, three, four, a five-year angel. That's it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there has been no long outstanding. If Anthony Rendon serves the uh, seven-year deal, he will be the longest angel third baseman since any, – any, any guesses? Any guesses? I know I'm going to be mad at myself for not guessing this. I'm, I know I'm missing a third baseman from the 80s. If you ha- you know, I'll give you a chance, but I, I will say this. If Anthony Rendon survives his all seven years, regardless injury or whatever, if he stays, he will be the longest tenured angel at third base. Seven years. The next would have been uh, DeSensei's six years. Oh, yeah, because he, he went back and forth. Correct. So 82 to 87 was DeSensei's. So... You're telling me Anthony Rendon's going to be the longest tenure? Because you would think, let's be real, no stats. Ant, prime Anthony Rendon, seven years with the Angels. You'd think he'd probably be the best. Yeah, third baseman in terms of war and everything, right? Everything. That's barring what happens over the next four seasons. He would have to probably produce like a 10 war yeah. each year in order to it's get the, the ball out of his mind. Yeah, he's going to have to ball in order to become at least a top three Angel third baseman of all time. Because right now, you know, Figgins, Gloss, the <clears throat> Senseis, no one's giving up that reign anytime soon. Well, the saddest thing is this, like, the limited time that he has played, whether it's slump or not, you know, you look at Rendon and, and you've never been able to sit there and say, well, his defense sucks. Like, like you're able to say, man, he's like a vacuum cleaner over there at third. Like, he makes most plays and makes it look easy. It's just he's never proven it in an angel uniform with his bat yet because he can't yeah. stay on the field. But his, but his defense, I would have to say, is probably one of the best, if not the best, I've seen at third. Like, Gloss, his first couple of years, he was very mobile for a tall third baseman. Um, but you could tell he was going to move to first at some point or DH, which he did later in his career. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but Rendon, like, he's just shown that he can get everything over there. And, and, and just if he could just stay on the field – we know what he can give you defensively, just offensively. We just haven't seen a glimpse of it even. We've seen it in glimpses of, of a week or two at a time, and then it drops off. Yeah. You know, early this season before he got hurt, there was moments. Had a couple walk-offs, had a couple, you know, two-on-two-out situational hitting. But it hasn't worked out that way. Again, his situation is very reminiscent to the Angels' struggles at shortstop. Yep. It, it, it's it's very, you think you got something, you see it shine for a little bit, and then it drops off. Same thing with Andleton Simmons, in a way. His first two years were a struggle, and we're thinking, uh-oh, at the time, what's going on? He has two great years, and then injuries and, and COVID and things kind of derailed the end of his Angel tenure. So, it, it again, <clears throat> is we are talking about right now a very... It's very simplistic and difficult to hear at the same time, but it's a trend that happens in the Angels organization for years and years. This is not just a shortstop third base issue. We could probably do a whole podcast episode diving in on every position and figuring out what years was this theme happening. It's happened at every position. 
the Angels pitching was happening probably since the Angel, you know, 2015 to up to 2021. That's that window. And then you can continue it on, you know, throughout. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but but circling back to Simmons, I have him tied for third. I know the numbers sometimes in the war don't make sense, but I think I have to look at the impact a player had on his team. And definitely Simmons had an impact defensively in a lot of other categories, leadership-wise. But I would still put, like I said, Fergosi at a one, uh, Ibar at a two, and Eckstein slash Simmons tied for the third uh, position for me. So yes, in a way, I know I might be playing the fence a little bit, but via the tie, just like every NFL fan loves a good tie, Pendleton Simmons technically gets into my top three angel shortstops of all time. And one one last thing I want to say about Simmons, though, too, is mm-hmm. it's a little weird that, you know, his career played out the way it is. I'm, I'm not saying it's over, over, but obviously last since pandemic year and onward, he's just hit a real wall. Yeah. Uh, and usually, you know, players, mentally. <laughs> if you were to tell me or even Fernando in, in 2018, like, hey, man, this guy's only got one year left and then he's just going to fall off. You're yeah. going to be like, no, dude. Like, like he's barely hitting his prime. Like, you know, between 28 and 32 years old, he should be batting, you know, making an all-star bid again. You know, he should be one of the top players on the Angels or another player, you know, being instrumental on another club at short, you know, one of the top five, top ten shortstops in baseball. But to see, like, it's it's rare. Like, you see other players, like, that'll hit their stride 29, 30, and they get that contract till 34, 35. Then they fall off. Like Simmons fell off way too early, in my opinion. Like, like he, it just feels like he's left a lot out there, and I hope that he can catch on this year. Whether it's a, a spring training invite and he proves himself and makes it to a roster, like with the Orioles, Pirates, A's, like we were talking about with a former Angel, and he can get a swang song second half of his career going. Because I would just hate for him to bow out last year. Last year was just I couldn't believe he couldn't get anything going with the Cubbies. Yeah, the, yeah, and the Twins wasn't much right. better the year before. Exactly. Yeah, and it's funny because the Angels are so used to receiving players that mm-hmm. are think we think are going to be great, and then they kind of fall off. This is one yeah. of the, I don't want to say few, but it's probably one of the ones in recent years that left the Angels on a high. I know, I know 2020 wasn't a high, but majority on a high. <laughs> then ends up really slapping against a brick wall and is left for mush. Yeah, and it's really, really hard. Sean Figgins would have been another one to probably put into that conversation. Um, you know, it it's really hard to think who who's another one that could be there. That could be a topic for another conversation. There are Richards and Matt Shoemaker, maybe, and, and still not even at, like that much. Yeah, because they, they weren't that great here either because of you know injuries. I would say Garrett Anderson, when he went to the Braves and Dodgers, he was just yeah, not the same yeah. player. No, yeah. yeah he no. was all he he hung around a little too long though. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. There's a there's a lot of players, but I think Simmons is one that you just like like you said, Todd, scratch your head a little bit and you say he was on such a high and I get twenty twenty and, and mental illness and, and all the things he was going through. You think, you know, maybe he has a bounce back with the Cubs in twenty twenty two and it never came to flourishing and you know, maybe it never will. Maybe it will. Maybe it will with some team, yeah. but it, it's yeah, crazy I mean, to think he's thirty three now. So he just exited his prime a little earlier than most. 
Yeah, which is kind of weird. Like, like again, like most major league players, you know, they'll put in some time in the minor leagues unless they're like an international player that comes up real early. Simmons did come up early with Atlanta, but uh, you know, again, I would I would have figured he had a good four or five more years left of putting up at least productive numbers before he became a, like a platoon like afterthought. You know, like yeah. I, I'm very surprised to see where he's at right now in his career. Yeah, and it's such a damn shame because I honestly think that if he would have continued his Angels offensive numbers, batting 270, you know, and continuing to win gold glove, I, I legitimately thought that he would have been in the Hall of Fame conversation because he would just, you know, cream of the crop defensively in the game. And like I said, if he was consistently batting 270, 280, and he won another, you know, three, four gold glove, we're talking about a seven or eight gold glove winner. I mean, that's that's a Hall of Fame career right there. Unfortunately, it's the complete opposite. He's got 37.1 wins above replacement currently, which means he got, you know, what, 60%, 65% of them as an angel. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's got a career 263 batting average. He's got non-base percentage of 312. So, I mean, these those numbers are just, you know, a lot lower because of two bad years, one with the Twins and one with the Cubs. Betting 173 last year, guys. Oof. You know, hey, that's what makes baseball a fun any sport a funny sport. You can go from top of your class to bottom of the barrel with one injury, one misstep, someone takes your job, and hey, Anderson, he's got to work for it. If he still wants it, he's still got the drive, he can go do it. Hey, if Elvis Andrews can still be relevant in Major League Baseball right now, or, you know, hey, there was the Romine, Austin and Austin Romine was still rotating around and all these journeymen that are still making their rounds around Major League Baseball, Anderson Simmons should be able to find somewhere if he's still got the drive and the talent and can put it all together. Yeah. We'll see what happens to him. Um, all right. I mean, anything else, guys? I mean, my arguments, uh, you know, I, I know where you boys stand now. <laughs> <laughs> You're just mad because we didn't fully agree. We weren't exactly. jumping off the page and flipping off tables right now. Yeah, I'm about to. Yeah, I'm all, it's twelve thirty four in the morning here in New Jersey, and I'm about to start flipping things. He's gonna go compete with uh, what's her name from the Real Housewives of New Jersey and flip some tables now. Uh, I've never seen that show, but I uh, very see, much appreciate. Hey, you see the meme floating around everywhere? The f- tape, you'll just tape the one with the cat. No, that's another oh, one. Okay. Just type in Real Housewives table flipping. You'll have a fun night in New. Since you're in New Jersey. It only makes sense you watching in New Jersey. There's no such thing as a fun night in New Jersey. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I mean, maybe if you ask Mike Trout, he's having a good time at Storybook Land. But yeah, I don't know what else is there to do except count potholes in the street. Uh, eat at crappy diners. There you go. Hey, I've yeah. never, I've never been to New Jersey, so I can't say a word. It's all right. You don't need to go to Joy Z. Joy Z's there, there's nothing to see. <laughs> <laughs> their their main export is crippling depression. <laughs> <laughs> All I right, and that's crossed, and it's been crossed off my bucket list. Yeah. There you go. All right, so that's our podcast for Angelton Simmons uh, talk. We're probably going to be profiling more players as we go through here uh, towards a you know start of spring training and uh, hopefully a new beginning uh, to this season. Because last thing I'll say is. You know, uh, we're hoping for bigger and better things this season. It's going to be an uphill battle. Um, you know, just one one game at a time, I think, is going should be the mantra for this team. 
uh, moving forward, the battle cry. Um, you know, we don't know who the owner is going to be, but hopefully soon we'll have uh, we'll have that decision here uh, if Manfred holds to his uh, his uh, word here, and um, we'll see what happens, man. I mean, I'm 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 cautiously optimistic. I was all in last year, and uh, real quick, boys, uh, with the moves that have been made, I know you're going to touch on this on another episode. But um, you guys feeling a little bit more optimistic than last year? A little a little bit. I will say this. I know we talked about this before we started recording. Before the winter meetings and before the recent signings, I had the Angels had at least a solid B+. Hunter Renfro, Gio Urshela, Tyler Anderson. The Angels were starting in the right direction. They've kind of stalled out a little bit. They did get Estevez for the bullpen, which I think could be a good signing and a good balance of the bullpen. At the end of the day, I would drop the Angels at this point with in comparison to all the other moves to maybe a C- minus at best. Luckily, a lot of signings have gone to the National League, and the Angels don't have to worry about them as much. Carlos mm-hmm. Correa, Trey Turner, a couple pitchers. But the Angels are going to be in a dogfight in the AL West. Yep. I know it's going to be it – it's Houston's division still, no matter what, and the Angels are going to have an uphill battle competing against them, but – Seattle's not going nowhere. They're here. Texas is on the rise with Bruce Bochy, Jacob DeGrom, and they're starting to put the pieces together slowly but surely. Oakland is an afterthought. You know, you can't take them for granted because you don't want to lose games to them and be put even into a deeper hole. But the Angels right now, I think they're still competing for third place with the Texas Rangers. At this point, they've done nothing to jump out of the page in comparison now to other moves being made. They they balked on a couple shortstops. They they got a good pitcher in Tyler Anderson. They need to make some sort of a move, and I think the noise is going to be coming real that Shohei might go if they they don't supply him and supply Trout with really really good talent that can win for years to come. It's not just a win and done. They really need to find a way to keep Otani on the books. And if he's not liking what he sees, he's already made it clear. He wants to be competitive. That's what matters to him. The Angels right now, I think if we started opening day tomorrow, you're going to see a repeat of 2020, uh, 2022, pardon me. A good start, maybe catch fire at some point through the year, but there's going to be some lulls. The pitching staff is going to be pretty good. The Angels need one more starter, but I think you're looking at a few extra wins. The Angels finished up with how many wins in 2022? 70. Was it 70? Right on the book, 70 or 75, no, 77? I think it was, yeah, it was a few more wins in their uh, all-time low. Low. So yeah. I'm thinking the Angels right now, with the roster that's on paper, they are a just above a 500 team. Maybe mm-hmm. like 84 and 80. Or, or pardon me, 82 and 80 at that point. So yeah. still some work to do. There, there's work to be done, maybe trade market, maybe free agency, but Perry's got to get going. He's got to wake up from the winter slumber, and he had a couple weeks off. He needs to get back to work. I think, honestly, with the holidays coming up, I don't know if you see anything until maybe after Christmas, uh-huh. even though there's still a week to go. You know, people on vacation, I think, you know, January you might see some more movement. Okay. Fernando? You know, I, I love the early on moves, but, uh, you know, much like I'm doing right now, Perry's been asleep for a little bit too long. 
and his, you know, assistant GM has been just doing a bunch of minor league signings, which is fine. But, you know, something's got to change. The rest of the division's gotten better. You're all of a sudden in a position where, yeah, you're fighting for third or fourth place right now. Uh, you know, Houston's obviously the top dog. Seattle made the playoffs last year. So, you know, you know, and they're making moves on top of that. And then obviously, you know, the Rangers just got the best pitcher in baseball. You know, healthy. granted, exactly. Granted, that's the problem. He's never really fully healthy. But, you know, if for whatever reason he is fully healthy this year, that's going to hurt us. We're kind of screwed because Jacob DeGrom is definitely a franchise-altering player. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that as of right now. Once again, you know, I'm assuming he's going to get hurt as per usual. But, you know, obviously they made their moves last year. And keep in mind, the Rangers are still rebuilding. They still have a bunch of prospects coming up. So they might be really good in about a year or two. You know, they're going to have a really nasty starting rotation in like 2023, 2024. Or sorry, uh, 2024, 2025. But um, yeah, we'll see. The Angels are definitely a move or two away from just contending in the division itself. Um, But... uh, We'll see. We'll, we'll we'll see. As of right now, this went from being like a an A minus off season to me, uh, to being like a B minus C plus. We're we're hunting for the wild card at best right now, <clears throat> and and there's a steep steep drop in that sense. Three wild card spots. I would say the Angels are like the fifth team out of that. Like they're two teams away. Yeah, it worries yeah. me because the East is all good. And then the central, you mean you know, you might have to worry about one or two teams, but in all fairness, the Yankees yeah. haven't gotten much better. So, you know, that was one of the teams. How dare you? The judge came in and he's got the wig on now. Well, yeah. exactly. I was gonna say, I mean, that's just kind of a lateral move. Like, yeah, okay, really. great. So you went from sitting there to sitting over there. Okay, cool. You yeah. can mark you can mark this tape right here before I go. My last thing I'm gonna say is I'll ride my bike from my house to uh down Catella to the oh, here stadium. It here it is that uh that Artie built that um, – oh, no, that the Cowboy built that Artie it's made so made much even better. better. <laughs> yeah. I'll do that naked. If, oh, God. If oh, I'm going to hold you to this. I'm going to hold you to this. If, oh, boy. Not because I want to see you naked, but, you know, for the memes. <laughs> <laughs> Why is there a homeless man riding down the hill on a bike? <laughs> He's not homeless. <laughs> you have to grow your beard out. You would have to grow your beard yes. out. Yes, yes. <laughs> If if Aaron Judge hits fifty or more bombs, I don't think he's going to repeat it. That was a that was a a stolen MVP and a uh, a, a what is it? Pay me now, home run. Yeah, that was fifty. That was the puff. That was the puff. That was the I don't think he's going to hit fifty, dude. Okay, I would say I I would say there's no goddamn way he hit sixty ever again in his life. But I can yeah. see him getting fifty at least one more time. But hey, I'm, man, it, it, you're the one writing from Whittier to. Angel Stadium. That's a long naked. ass ride now. That's, that that would be, you, you're, you're, you know, you, your cheeks would be getting a little chapped at a certain point. And you have to do it the ones on the face. Yeah, there's like a golden week of the year where you could possibly yeah. do that. You know, to make it even better, Judge hitting 50 or the Angels winning 10 in a row. Ooh. <laughs> What's happening first? I think 10 in a row, to be honest. Ooh. <laughs> All right, put that poll out on social media. Let's see what people vote. I'm, uh, I'm definitely out. taking neither. But, uh, <laughs> don't I put think that the poll out like anywhere near me on that bike. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, dude, we're gonna have we're gonna have your your fiance come by with like a blanket. Like, no, no, you, <laughs> he's doing it, but you can't watch. He's he's on a union break. He's not writing at the moment. Yeah. Randy Randy's there, like, hey, say OnlyFans, say the hitty OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah, heady oh. after dark. Heady after dark. Uh, for Todd Fox. <laughs> Wait, 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 before we get up, we have to say, make sure to give this a five-star review, unless you're going to give us a one-star review for promoting nudity. Make <laughs> sure to follow us on all of our social medias. Make sure to follow our friends at Catella Chronicles, and make sure to follow our personal accounts, which I'm not even going to tell you because I really don't care if you follow my personal account or not. But, uh, yeah, I'm not going to be here. Yo, here's my at. <laughs> I will say this though, you can find me at New Jersey crying a pain because this place sucks. And for Catella Chronicles, we have the famous Dominic Lorenz in the house. Follow us at Catella underscore C H R O N and at Catella Chronicles dot WordPress dot com. All right, everybody, you have a good one and we'll talk to you soon. Feliz Navidad Prospero Año, si Felicidad. Happy Kwanzaa.